Hello everyone, I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. When God used Oscar Schindler to save a reported 1,200 Jews from inevitable death, he was, quote, not one of them. He was a German, a Nazi, and very successful businessman who chose not to turn a blind eye, but use his wealth, wisdom, and wit to be the voice for those enslaved, and powerfully so. He did what he could with what he had. And so must we. As the Steven Spielberg blockbuster Schindler's List of 1993 so powerfully points out. And yet horrors of the Holocaust no eye wants to see and the words quote never again happened again October 7th, 2023. A day that will live in infamy will be approaching the 100-day mark, and my next guest will not be silenced either. Ladies and gentlemen, here to explain this and more is my dear and good friend and multiple testimony guest, founder of Uniting the Nations for Israel, and so much more, Archbishop and Dr. Dominique Behrman. Archbishop Behrman Dominique, welcome back to Testimony. Shalom, Jensin Shabbat Shalom, uh, here from uh, Jerusalem, um, and thank you for having me. Well, it's always an honor to have you. Uh, before we begin to talk about your latest project called One Million Bells and all that this means, uh, will you update our listeners on your latest boots-on-the-ground efforts to help save heal, and support those who have survived the horrific, unprovoked attack and massacre of October 7th, 2023, on the State of Israel by Hamas terrorists, which has since expanded to a multi-front war. Your thoughts? Yes. Uh, what you're saying is exactly right. It has expanded to a multi-front uh, uh, war and to be honest with you I'm counting fronts and every day I see another front uh, at this point uh, Israel is not only fighting in Gaza um, and trying to um, really eradicate this cancer of Hamas over there um, but on top of it it's fighting on the northern front with Lebanon and with Syria and in Judea and Samaria against the same terror and even East Jerusalem the same terror Hamas and and um, uh, the the whole thing about the Palestinian cause that has developed into what I proclaimed many times a fruit of Hitler, like Hitler's child when he met with the 
Grand Mufti of Jerusalem um, during the Second World War, um, Khadr Amin al-Husseini, and they concocted this thing that we're suffering from it right now. But that's not; those are not the only fronts. On top of it, we've got on the Red Sea with the Houthis from Yemen that are actually, well, partly directly from Iran. So we've got Iran also as a front. And so it is a multi-front right now. In fact, it looks so impossible that it looks like Israel is between the rock and the hard place. But from the day one of what happened in this infamous massacre of Hamas on the 7th of October, that it now has become a historical date for all generations to remember, he told me, the Lord Most High told me, the God of Israel, Jeremiah 30, he said, this is the time of Jacob's trouble. Out of it, he will be saved. So I do know that out of it, at the end of this tunnel or the long birth canal, uh, so to speak, there is going to be a great light. It's not easy and it's not short. And so we are, we are in a very serious situation. The thing is that there is another front for Israel, and because Israel is connected so much with all the Jewish people worldwide, and as you know, Jensen, anti-Semitism has been breaking out in America, in England, all over Europe. For example, I just published not long ago, I posted a post with the 31st of uh, December celebration, so to speak, with fireworks that nobody wanted to have all over Europe. And these fireworks were deathly fireworks. In fact, it was violent riots full of fire and flames and bullets all over Europe, beloved, in London, in Brussels, in Rome. Um, so many cities in Europe were burning on the 31st of December because of Islamic terror. And so this is not something that um, is affecting only Israel but it's affecting the entire world. But Israel is the one fighting. She's fighting in all fronts. And so we are here with boots on the ground fighting with her. Oh, of course, how do we fight with her? I mean, I, I wish sometimes that I could put my <laughs> army uniform again because I, I was a, a trainer and commander in the IDF, uh, you know, in my youth, and I would have loved to be able to do it yeah. again. But uh, we can't we can't at this point. So... Um, we are fighting in other ways, of course, with prayer, no doubt with prayer, but also practical, practical boots on the ground. If it's to help uh, soldiers with things and needs that they have, if it's to help the evacuees, because you understand we have hundreds of thousands Israeli refugees in their own land because they cannot be in the north, they cannot be in the south because it's a war front, and so... Right now, they are in hotels, most of them, all over Israel. The hotels are filled with evacuees from the south and from the north. So helping them and then helping also in, in other areas like Judea and Samaria, uh, where uh, they need to have emergency squads. And so many things that, you know, it, it just knocks on our door nearly every day. Uh, one person that hurt, another person that hurt, can you help me? I just had, for example... A lady that lives in, in, you know, in the place where we are right now, the building where we are in Israel, uh, she heard about me and she asked for help. And she, she's dying from cancer, but she's not going to die. She's going to live because I prayed for her, but I believe she's going to live. But she's very sick with cancer. But her son, her son has been in one of the major commando units of Israel. And on the day of 7th of October, when Hamas broke in through, 
22 different points all over the um, the fence between Gaza and Israel. So uh, his army base was butchered, literally butchered. He lost many of his friends. Mm-hmm. And now whoever was left is fighting in the front because they are, the, they are a very complex, very important commando unit. And the mother comes to me literally with tears, shaken. She says, can you help us? They lost everything. All these boys that are left alive, they lost all of their gear, all of everything that they lost. Now, how can you not help? How can you not help? So we are here trying to lend up a hand to help as much as we can, uh, thanks to the members of the United Nations for Israel from 27 different nations. Um, at this point, I hope there will be more nations that will join us for sure. But they have been extremely generous. I mean, opening up their pockets just to give in whatever. And, and the latest and the most important one that we're just doing now as a memorial is actually, well, there are two of them, the planting trees in the places where the Hamas rockets have destroyed them. So now we're planting entire fruit tree orchards. So, you know, a lot to do. And plus the project that we're going to talk about today, which is One Million Bells, is a lot to do. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Archbishop Domenike Behrman, founder of United Nations for Israel, boots on the ground in Jerusalem as we speak. Yesterday, I've been praying for quite a while to get to the places where Hamas actually broke in and burned entire neighborhoods in Kibbutzim, in in the community farms, murdered entire families, uh, burned alive, looted, and uh, raped, and things that are absolutely unheard of. I've been wanting to go. Those places have been sealed by the army. You cannot just go in there. And not only the foreign ministry and special, you know, people can bring people in for the purpose of broadcasting or communicating what happened there. Um, Yesterday, the door opened up for me through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs to be able to go there with a delegation from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, to go there with my team and my cameraman, uh, to be able to document everything. And I'll tell you something, walking that, I remember before I left in the morning, I felt that I was preparing to walk in Auschwitz. And, and when I say this, is because I have walked in Auschwitz many times. I used to take mm-hmm. groups to Auschwitz and, and to Majdanek and Treblinka and Sobibor, but especially Auschwitz, I took at least 10 groups of those to Auschwitz. That's where I received my call to be the voice of these ashes, which is the book you talked about last time when you interviewed me. And and so yes. um, I know what it means to walk Auschwitz. And I remember the first day that I walked Auschwitz, it was uh, winter, of course, that I had this fur coat on me uh, because I knew it was going to be cold. And I was walking Auschwitz, but I couldn't. If the cold penetrated to my bones, it's like the chill of death. My husband had a tallit in his hand, um, a prayer a prayer mantle, and I snatched it from him. And I covered myself or wrapped myself on the prayer tallit, on the prayer mantle, and then I could walk Auschwitz and Birkenau and the death camps. And when I was preparing myself to go to the border communities of Gaza, to Kfar Aza, that kibbutz, for example, uh, another kibbutz that's called Nahal Oz, but there's so many of them that people were murdered there in their beds, families, children and babies beheaded and, and burned inside of their bomb shelters to a Christmas. I mean, sometimes you would see a family, father, the mother and the child, they were holding together and they all burned to the Christmas together. 
You can't separate them. They're all charcoal together. It's, what I'm telling you right now, I'm telling it to you like, oh, well, you know, I'm just telling you a story. It is so shocking. It is so seriously shocking. And I, we went there with the team, and, and this is three months after it happened. So, um, you know, three months after they'd already removed the bodies, but they told us, they told us, uh, because we had um, the communications team from the IDF and from the inter- from the police uh, department that were especially doing communications to the international team. And they told us that until not long ago, just a few days ago, maybe two weeks ago, you could still find body parts in there. You could still find body remains in there. They couldn't remove them all. Mm. In the first days when they even had uh, foreign journalists coming, and to see what happened, they had to walk over body parts to see. And, and, and you couldn't find one body that was whole because they, these brutal people, these beasts, because I, I, I can't call them anything else. Really, I cannot. They absolutely cut them to pieces. So you couldn't find one body in one piece. So you didn't know what it was, if it was a hand or an arm of this person, the other person, especially the one for the sexual organs. It's horrible. And, and, and then they began to tell us about the movies where about they cut off breasts from women and they began to play ball with them. I'm telling you, it, it's just totally, it's something that you cannot, beyond demonic. I mean, it's just demonic for sure, but, but just beyond demonic. And this is what this wickedness is doing and has done in Israel. So as I said, this is not only something that, you know, is going to affect Israel. Israel is always at the forefront of everything because, you know, the Jews are always blamed for everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's always been that the Jews have been the scapegoat. Satan hates the Jewish people. And he hates us because, you remember when Queen Victoria asked the Israeli, so how do I know that God really exists? And the Israeli said, well, the Jews, my lady, the Jews. You know, it's like, as long as we're here, (laughs) then God exists. It's true. Because as long as we're here and as long as we're in Israel and as long as, as the, the promises of God concerning the possessing of the land of Israel exist in, and we are here fulfilling it, the devil is going to try his best to annihilate us. That's it. And, and the thing that it starts here, but it doesn't end here. And that's the reason why both Iran and let's say the Houthis from Yemen that are throwing these missiles with tons of explosives over the Red Sea and stopping the ships, not only our ships, but the ships of America and the ships of any country that's trying to uh, go through Baba Al-Mandeb and, and the straits over there on the, on the Red Sea. Um, they say, you know, first we're going to deal with Satan Israel and the Satan America, and then they're going to continue with the Western world. And so this is not going to stop with this one. Therefore, we have a special project here that uh, actually we were like recruited to. It's not my idea. It's the idea of an entrepreneur, an Israeli entrepreneur, that contacted the foreign ministry. He happened to be my friend, and he contacted me. I just was recruited. And the whole organization, United Nations for Israel, has been recruited for the purpose of bringing one million bells worldwide to warn, to wake up, and to say enough is enough by ringing bells remembering, commemorating the massacre of the 7th of October, remembering the dead, remembering their families, and also returning, declaring a return of all the kidnappers. We still have 129 kidnapped 
in Gaza that it's unheard of, that they're going towards the 100 days in, in that horrendous captivity. Those that have returned can tell us of the horrors they've gone through in the tunnels and the way that they were starved to death under there, sexually abused under there. And so uh, to return the captives, we're going to ring the bells to return all those captives, all those kidnapped by Hamas in there, including babies who still have babies in captivity, a baby that's going to now celebrate one year in, and it will be a year old in captivity. Can you imagine? And then the third reason is to reclaim, to reclaim a world that is without terror, without anti-Semitism and bigotry and, and this kind of racism. And so it's to remember, to return, and to reclaim. And as we ring those bells anywhere, church bells, fire uh, station bells, your own house bells, you know, when you ring your bell, it doesn't matter what, any bell, but we are asking everybody in the world to ring their bell on January 14th, commemorating the 100th day of this massacre, the timing that we're going to do this, on January 14th, New York time is 9 a.m. 9 a.m., 4 p.m. will be Jerusalem time. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Archbishop Domenike Behrman, live, recorded, from Israel, boots on the ground. She's been there. She knows her team. Everything you've heard, she has seen firsthand. Archbishop, how is the view of the Israeli people towards Benjamin Netanyahu, how he's handling this, the IDF, what's the general consensus there? Okay, well, first of all, the general consensus of the nation is that we must be united. Right before uh, the uh, the massacre, we were not united. It was There was almost a civil war in Israel. And the hatred against uh, Benjamin Netanyahu from, let's say, the left was absolutely out of sight. Impossible. Um, I'm not saying that this has changed because there's still voices like that, but for the most part, the nation is united and behind the war cabinet. There is a war cabinet that's like a unity government in that sense, uh, that comprises uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, and also Benny Gantz, that is from the center left, and of course the uh, Defense Minister Gallant. So there's three people that are especially in this very small war cabinet, kind of a threefold cord that cannot be easily broken. They've been able to navigate this war together, in my eyes, in quite an outstanding manner. Quite an outstanding manner. It's impossible that they could do it, but they have been doing it. And for the most part, the Israeli public is behind them and and giving them all of the support needed. There are some dissident voices, but on the whole, I think we're pretty much united behind them here. Um, Not perfect. They're not perfect because it's also a lot of uh, constraints. For example, sorry to say, but Biden and America is a big constraint. On one hand, it's a great help because of the weapons and the support that America has been given with weapons. On the other hand, Biden is pressurizing that we will put in Gaza uh, the Palestinian Authority that has been full of terror here in Israel, Judea and Samaria, and that could not hold Gaza and so there is a lot of uh, pressure from there. There's a lot of pressure from Biden as to not escalate the northern border. But they are constantly sending rockets our way. And we have hundreds of thousands evacuated. 
they cannot go back to their homes. So it's a great constraint. As I said, America is a big, big pressure on us with that. And so somehow Netanyahu and the cabinet have been able to continue navigating the situation in spite of the constraints. All in all, I say there is a danger for disunity after the war, but right now, I believe that uh, we are pretty much united behind them. Wonderful, wonderful. Last question. The spiritual temperature, those that you see coming to Yeshua, recognizing Jesus as their Messiah, do you have any reports on that? Yes and no. And I'm going to say why yes and no. Number one, because what's happening right now in Israel for the most part is a shift of the Israeli, especially the military. You know, it says that there is no atheist in a foxhole. It's really like that. And so what happened is that right now in the military, both the people that were like kind of woke from the left and from uh, more of the right wing uh, of the Zionist uh, religious settlers, they're fighting hand in hand there in the hottest of the battles. And they're losing their lives together. They're being wounded together. They're, they're also hitting together all of these things they're doing together. And in the midst of all of this, there's been an awakening of Jewish identity. And I'm going to say why this, I believe, is a key and a precursor for Yeshua to be revealed to Israel. Many people have tried to evangelize Israel and evangelize the Jews with very, very little results. I'm so sorry, but I, you know, I've been in Israel forever, almost. Uh, on and off going to the nations and living in America because of um, the ministry and all of that. But all of that uh, to say that for the Israelis, for the Jewish people to come to know Messiah, the first need to be seriously connected also with who they are as Jews. Because from that place comes the belief in the Bible and belief in Messiah. And Messiah is as part of the Jewish psyche as Shabbat. So to go back to Shabbat, to go back to trust God, to go back to pray, to go back to blow shofars, uh, all of these things are also doing an awakening within their spirits that eventually will cause a, I believe, a massive revival in Israel, a massive revival in Israel. Just like Zechariah 12 says, it says, when all the nations come against Jerusalem, then he will pour out the spirit of grace and supplication. And so what I see right now is a birth canal. We are in a birth canal. Uh, and you know, like when when it's a birth canal, you do not see yet the baby outside. If you're looking from outside, you don't see the baby, but the baby is there in the birth canal. So that's what's happening with Israel. Israel is being born. First, it's being born again as a Jew. And now it's going to be born again also as a born again Jew. But it, it will take a time. It's not instant pudding, but we are seeing definitely an awakening in the people. Amen and amen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally recognized Messianic Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Global Revivalist, and the world's first female Jewish Archbishop, Dr. Dominique Behrman, founder and president of United Nations for Israel, and so much more. Her latest project, One Million Bells, marking 100 days since the horrific massacre on the nation of Israel, October 7th, 2023. You can learn more about Archbishop Behrman's work, ministry, and mission by visiting unitednationsforisrael.org and 
onemillionbells.org and zionsgospel.com for all other resources. You will be blessed and given great hope that you did. Archbishop Berman Dominique, thank you for this timely update on what is happening in Israel. You and your team are there as we speak, being the hands and feet of Yeshua. And now with your latest project, One Million Bells to be held January 14th, 2024, in concert with the State of Israel, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and many other organizations, is a global clarion call to action. We all now will have the opportunity to ring our bells in solidarity and purpose. And as is stated, one, ring to remember those murdered, the injured, their families, and loved ones. Two, ring to return the remaining hostages immediately. Three, ring to reclaim a world without terror, anti-Semitism, bigotry, and racism. And if I may humbly add, a ring for freedom, for life, and for all souls to be saved in Jesus Christ, our Yeshua, Messiah, and soon coming King. We thank you for your tireless efforts all across this land. And now I would love for you, Archbishop Dominique Behrman, to close this program out. Amen. Well, I want to close it out with a scripture. In Proverbs 24, it says, Rescue those being dragged off to death. Hold back those stumbling to slaughter. If you say, look, we didn't know this. Won't he who weighs hearts perceive it? Won't he who guards your soul know it? Won't he repay each one according to his deeds? And this is the point. As we ring the bells, we're actually saying, we are not ignoring this situation. We're not ignoring the massacre of the 7th of October. But we are joining in with everyone else to say no more. Enough is enough. And there is a power in the spirit to the sound of the bells. The sound of the bells in Exodus 28, for example, was in the hem of the robe of the high priest. And those bells had to ring in and out of the Holy of Holies. So there's a tremendous power to the bells as they are ringing. Get my book, The Voice of Disaster, because it will explain many things about the importance of joining in with the Jewish people, fighting for them during this time, something that didn't happen for the most part, that rose up to help the Jewish people during the Holocaust, during the Shoah. This is the time now to have a comeback and to actually say, yes, we're joining. And it's such a simple thing to do. Just ring a bell for 60 seconds on the 14th of January, 9 a.m. New York time. And then you calculate your timings in different areas of the USA and just ring it for 60 seconds, gathering groups and ring it together. Take a video of that, get it up uh, on social media, go to the website, 1 million bells, 1000000 bells.org. And you can download that kit. There's a kit, there is a flyer in help to spread the word to many. And the plan of action will be there very clearly. And as I finish today, and I finish thanking you in advance for ringing your bell, I'm going to ring mine here all the way from the mountains of Jerusalem as a clarion call to everyone that is listening 
to ring your bell on January 14th for 16 seconds to remember the massacre of the 7th of October and to say enough is enough, no more terror, no more Hamas in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D dot com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.